Let me open us up in in a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get underway. Father, we ask that in our time together tonight that you would encourage us, that you would bless us, and that you would help us to love you as you've called us to do so. So, Spirit, would you work in our hearts, uh, accomplishing what, what, what human words cannot accomplish? Would you give us attentiveness and alertness, even if we're tired and weary or distracted? And, Father, would you um, accomplish all you intend for our time together? We ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, tonight's a little, it will be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking, this might feel a little bit more casual than our normal Wednesday night, which is fine. We've got lots of teaching opportunities in our church, and, and uh, so I feel, I feel the freedom to do that. But in keeping with what is becoming something of a New Year's tradition for me, I'd like to spend our time together tonight uh, talking and addressing the subject of Bible reading. It's one of my favorite topics because the Bible has changed my life. And the Bible has given me comfort when I thought no comfort could be found. And the Bible has uh, fed my heart and my soul. It's perplexed me in ways that, that energize me. And it is, it's, my, it's my life. And uh, I hope that, that is, that's true for you. Lord willing, we will be beginning uh, a series through the book of Colossians probably in February. Uh, so I would encourage you to start reading the book of Colossians. It's a, a short four chapters. We'll probably do Philemon as well. Uh, so, so be praying about that. We'll probably start that in, in February or so. Um, but tonight I want to turn to the topic of, of Bible reading here at the beginning of the new year. I was looking back through my notes, and one year ago, on January the 1st, 2017, I issued a challenge and a charge to each person here at Trinity on a Sunday morning to make 2017 the most Bible-saturated year of your life. I encouraged you to prayerfully cultivate the habit, the daily habit of Bible intake, particularly Bible reading. I issued a challenge that was working off the promise that comes to us in John chapter 15, that if his word abides in us, it will bear fruit in our lives. That's what God, that's what Christ promised the disciples, that if his word abides in us, it will bear fruit in our lives. Another part of that challenge was I challenge you specifically to not just sort of read casually, but to develop a plan to read the whole Bible. I won't ask for a show of hands um, on that. It, I, was, I was encouraging you to say, hey, it doesn't have to be a whole year. It doesn't have to be on a specific time frame. But gradually over time, I was encouraging you and challenging you uh, to read all of God's Word. If God has spoken... It's important. Anyone been reading Song of Solomon this week and wondering, is it really important? Right? Like, really? Like, I believe it about like all the other Bible, but I mean, like Song of Solomon? Right? If God has spoken to us, don't you think he deserves to be heard? To be listened? Much less heeded and cherished or much more? God has given all of his words to us for his for our instruction. 
I've been so encouraged in the last couple of weeks especially hearing stories of how many of you responded to this challenge and were successful. If you were unsuccessful, please don't be discouraged. Uh, But I heard so many people, I had one person come up to me back in May and say, Pastor Nathan, I'm about to finish my Bible reading plan. I said, which plan did you do? She said, I'm doing the whole Bible in a year. I was like, it's May. And she said, I got excited, right? And, and I think she finished the whole Bible in about, about half, of a, half of a year or so. I've talked with numerous people who've said they've made it. I had one person tell me on New Year's Eve, uh, it was, uh, we had a New Year's Eve on a Sunday, right? And this person came up to me and said, I've got four chapters of Ezekiel left. and I'm going to read them today. Then knocked out those chapters of Ezekiel, I presume. I talked with people who finished early, and I've also talked with folks who are still plugging away. Some are on schedule to finish the Bible in three years, or some committed to reading the New Testament and the Psalms, and in a variety of ways. And that's great. That's great. I praise God for that. I was dreaming and kind of thinking about this today. I wish if there was only some way to see And to measure all of the fruit that has already been born in our lives because of our Bible reading this year. What if we could somehow compile it all together and put it out on the table and see it? We'd be more encouraged and motivated to keep reading and to read more. I'm encouraged by your efforts in this church. I really am. And tonight I want to continue, I want to reissue that call in a slightly different way, but to continue to encourage you that no matter what form it takes, no matter what plan you use, to continue to devote yourself to reading the scriptures. And um, my goal is not to guilt you into that. My, I, would rather, I would much rather compel you by the scriptures and trust the Spirit to work uh, through His Word. And so that's what we'll do tonight. But first, I mean, we talked last year about the importance of having a plan. The importance of having a plan. Anything that is worth doing, I've found, especially things that are hard, require careful planning. My sister is building a house. It requires incredibly careful planning, right? Because that is not a simple project, but a complex project. Hard things require planning. So last year I was encouraging you to select a plan A plan for reading through the Bible that you thought would work for you. A plan that, a commitment that you were going to read. What what you were going to read each day. I'm absolutely convinced that there is never a time in our life where we need to take days off from hearing God speak. To read every day. And to work at it. Of course, the challenge of any plan is the tension between structure and flexibility. Does anybody felt that? You want a plan, but I want to have this diet plan, but I really would rather just eat some cake, right? I need some flexibility in this plan, right? We need some structure, but we also want some flexibility. And if you have completed a plan, whether it's a small plan or a big plan, uh, you've probably found that. Sometimes the structure was helpful. Other times it was a burden. Sometimes having the flexibility of like, I could read three chapters today or five chapters. Sometimes the flexibility was too much for you and you couldn't handle the freedom, right? I'm like that sometimes because we change over the year is what I found. I've read through the Bible a number of times, and, and each time I've noticed that there were parts of the structure that I liked and parts that I disliked and parts of the flexibility that I liked and parts of it that, that I disliked. Sometimes I've had too much structure, 
and it became a chore. You've been there before? It's okay. You can admit it. It's a chore. I'm reading just to check off the box, right? Got to read the box or got to read to check off the box and it becomes a chore. Other times I have, I've had too little structure and it took me 18 months so there, and, and a variety of other problems. So there's, there's, there's challenges there. But I'm still totally convinced that until you have developed a lifelong daily Bible reading habit, I'd say that's lasted over a couple of decades, I would suggest, this is not, well, I would suggest that you need a plan in place for reading the Bible daily. Paul says, train yourself for godliness, right? You, if you've ever been to a gym, you don't just kind of wander in there and just kind of like pick up some stuff and walk. If, you, <laughs> if you've ever been to a gym and you've seen people doing that, it's very fun to watch, right? People who don't know how to use equipment, right? That's what we do sometimes. If we don't, if we don't have a plan, if we don't know what we're doing. As some of you have already heard, as a church, this year we're going to be using a tool uh, that is new for us. It's a, I announced it on Sunday, it's a tool that is called the Community Bible Reading Journal. Just a quick show of hands, who has procured a copy of this journal? And how, oh good, yeah, okay, good. So, oh great, okay, lots of folks. So, um, we... When I started to dream this up last year, I thought, well, maybe I could buy 30 of them and can talk 30 people into doing this. I was like, ah, maybe I'll do 50. And then Tony Maiden was like, ah, let's do 100. I'm like, you think we can do 100? We sold 100. We sold out of these things before 1150 in the second service. And this Sunday was one of the lowest attendance Sundays we've had all year. Uh, We sold out of them so, so fast. So there's another hundred that are on the way, and I'm nervous that those hundred aren't enough. Um, But that's why I passed out this handout to you, is that even if you don't have one yet, you don't have to wait to get started. I've received uh, permission from the publisher of this journal uh, to to make these copies. He actually sent them to me. Um, So you've received, you should have received one copy of what I'm calling the grid. I don't know what else to call it. If you've got a better name, let me know. Uh, and then at the back, you'll, on the back, when you walk out to the left, there's a table that has a yellow schedule. And this is the first uh, eight, eight weeks of the schedule that, we'll fo- that we're following. So just so you know, before I forget, those are back there. Um, and I'll talk about this and explain this a little bit more. And you're going to hear more about it later. I'm especially going to talk about this on Sunday night in a variety of different ways. Uh, but So we're going to be using the Bible, the Community Bible Reading Journal, or the CBR. And so you'll hear more about it later. But tonight I want to give you a quick overview of how this works. And then I'm going to give you several reasons from the scriptures that I pray will, will motivate you uh, to considering uh, Bible reading. At first glance, the, the community Bible reading journal may just seem like a Bible reading plan. It's got a schedule. This looks a lot like a, like a Bible reading schedule. Um, and it is, it is much more than that. It is a, I'm trying to find ways to describe this. It is a, it is a full discipleship tool. Is a much better way to think about it. And, and here's what I mean. On its own, an individual Bible reading plan, like, I, like, we, like we offered for you last year, we had three different ones to pick from, a Bible reading plan like that on its own is it's a good tool. And I will continue to encourage you to, to make use of them in, throughout your life. It's, it's a good tool, and it especially will help the reader grow in, in knowledge of the Scripture. 
So they're wonderful tools, and I encourage you to use them. But that goal, the goal of growing in knowledge, that is only one goal for using the Bible, the community Bible reading journal. All right? it's, only, it's only one of the goals. Um, the CBR is designed to help participants grow in their knowledge of the Scripture. It is designed to do that, but it is, it is much more than that. Because would we not recognize knowledge of the Scriptures is not sufficient? Okay, I spent a little time meditating on this this week, and there's much more we could talk about with this. But I want to I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. Many of us have grown up in church for a major part of our life. Some of us were born in the nursery. Any nursery church babies? Right, right, yeah. Some of us have been in church our whole lives, and we've been exposed to the teaching of the scriptures. Some of us have perhaps been reading the Bible on our own for decades. And there's a real danger in, in thinking that knowledge of the Bible is the same thing as maturity or fruit or faithfulness. The Pharisees had way more knowledge of the scripture than you and I combined. Many of them memorized massive portions of the Old Testament law. Massive portions of it. They had way more knowledge than you and I ever will of the scriptures, and yet Jesus constantly condemned them for their relationship to the Bible. Have you, have you ever noticed that in your Bible reading? Have you read the Bible well enough to think of some instances? The Pharisees had more Bible in their head than anyone around them, and yet Jesus treated them as if they had never even read the scriptures. Does this rebuke sound familiar? Have you not read in the scriptures? Remember Jesus saying that to the Pharisees? By my count, he said it at least six times, those, those really close words. And other times he would, he would say other things like, is it not written, right? Have you not read in the scriptures? One example is in Matthew chapter 12, when the Pharisees were complaining about how the disciples were plucking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and ate bread? We, we read that recently, didn't we? Have you not read? Can you imagine how offensive that must have been to the Pharisees? There is a chance that technically they had read more than Jesus had. They didn't know more than him. They've, they've spent their lives devoted to reading the scriptures. Of course they had read the scriptures. They had read the scriptures constantly. But Jesus is saying it is, if, it is as if you have not read them. Because the way that they have been approaching them was wrong. There's many ways we could explore this theme. There's some very important spiritual things that Jesus was teaching there. But I think for our purposes tonight, could we not say that the Pharisees approached and read the scripture wrong? So would it not be safe to assume that it is possible for us to approach and read the scriptures wrong? It is possible to read the Bible and miss Jesus. It is possible, I think, I wrote this and deleted it and then rewrote it. So you can tell me if you agree with it or not. It is possible to read the Bible and walk away more sinful than before you read it. Because you could just be proud. 
The Bible could become a tool for you to be puffed up. I'm so spiritual. I did my Bible reading today. That person in my Sunday school class, she never does her Bible reading. I'm, thank you, God, that I'm not like that other person in my Sunday school class. Let me go to Facebook and tell everyone that I've done my Bible reading, right? Have you, have you been there? Or it could be like, I cannot believe how much I know about the Bible. I just wish other people knew as much about me. You're so excited to tell other people some tidbit, some fact, primarily to show off that you're smart or that you read, right? Have you been there? I've been there on both counts. It's possible to read the Bible and miss Jesus. The way that you read the scriptures matters. That's why I'm so excited about the CBR journal. Community Bible Reading Journal, because it is designed, is crafted to help spur us on towards reading well. So yes, one of the goal of the CBR is to help you grow in the knowledge of the scriptures. I'm not ever going to discourage you from reading the Bible to grow in knowledge, right? But that's only one of the goals. There are other goals. The second goal is the CBR is designed, and this is where it shines, to help you commune with God. To help you commune with God while you read the scriptures. Just on a a personal note, uh, this has been a really big help for me even already. Um, I make a living talking about the Bible. It is very tempting for me to read the Bible for a purpose other than knowing and communing with God. It's so helpful, such a helpful tool to remember how to read the Bible as if God was speaking to us. This, the fellowship with God is a major theme in the story of redemption, right? That is the story of the gospel, that God is working in Christ from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the fall, to bring sinners back into fellowship with God. We could trace that theme all throughout the scriptures, and we've done, we've done that at different, at different times and places in the past. Sinners being reunited with God. At the beginning of Genesis in the garden, we see man being separated away from God outside of the garden. And then at the very end of Revelation, do we not read the wonderful promise? God says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And he comes and he dwells in the middle of the city of Jerusalem that came down out of heaven. The people of God. God is working to bring us into fellowship with him. This is not just about going to heaven, eating calorie-free chocolate cake, and playing golf every day. This is not the point. It's about God being united with him and fellowship with him. The daily journaling format is, I'm calling it the grid, that handout that I gave you. Some of you have it. It's what you have, 300-something copies of it in your journal. That's the bulk of what the journal is. The grid is designed to encourage you to read the Bible prayerfully, talking with God as you hear his word and responding to him as you hear him. Just the other day, I think this was on New Year's Day, Haley and I were cleaning the house, which has become our New Year's Day tradition. We get all these Christmas items, and we're like, we don't know where to put this stuff, so we got to get rid of some other stuff. Don't tell our kids. And we were we were kind of doing separate. We were working, you know, you know, it's like cleaning out the house. Right? You you kind of got to agree on stuff, but you're both kind of doing your own thing, and you're talking as you pass. Hey, is it okay if I chuck, you know, this and or whatever. 
But we had the TV on because you might know there's some football on 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 New Year's Day, and and I was doing good. I mean, I was I was working pretty hard. I think I was getting stuff done, and and I, I stopped at one point to to watch the Notre Dame LSU game. It was a close game, and apparently, my wife was talking to me about something during I don't even remember during this portion. <laughs> she was talking to me about something related to the house, and I was doing this number. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can throw that child away. Uh huh. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And apparently she had some complicated explanation, and then she asked me my thoughts. <laughs> You've been there before, and I was like, I was staring at the TV. I was there. I was listening. I mean, like her words were hitting my ears. I suppose. But I wasn't engaged, and so I didn't respond. I had no input, right? None at all. She spoke to me, but there was no response, and there was no change. So often, this is how our Bible reading can be. Especially if you're checking off the box, checking off the box, checking off the box. We can hear God speak to us in his word, but then do nothing about it. We can we let the words roll over us, but nothing changes. Guys, the Bible's not magic, right? I, I love, I've grown up in churches with a high view of the Bible, but I think there can be a temptation to treat the Bible like it's magic. Like if you just utter, if you just say a Bible verse over and over again, it'll like magically sanctify you or something. I mean, you, if you, I don't know Portuguese, so, but if I took a copy of the Bible in Portuguese and memorized it, it would not benefit me at all, Right? It has to come through my head, through my intellect and my reason before it can get into my heart with understanding. We have to engage. So often our Bible reading is just washing over us. Have you ever had that before? Here's, here's a way to tell. What did you read about this morning? Well, um, uh, um, well I read about, uh, there's a genealogy and there's some weird Song of Solomon stuff. Um, right? If 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 you if you ha- if you don't walk away from it with something, how, like what good has it done? So we want to pay attention to the way that we approach God. We hear God speaking to us through His Word, but then we do nothing. There's no new worship, no new admiration, no new confession, no hu- no new humility. Have you ever done that before? I'll never forget a time earlier in my marriage where I'd spent, I'm so spiritual, I'd spent two hours reading my Bible. And I came downstairs, and within five seconds, I sinned against my wife in something I said. Right? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, 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 it's not, it's, the Bible, we have to respond to God's word. To, it should produce in us new humility, new conviction, new behavior, new wisdom. Not a checkbox, right? Not just a checkbox. That is no good. The Pharisees checked a lot of boxes, much more than you and I. The CBR provides a format as a guide. You don't have, there's no, again, not checking out boxes, right? A guide to stimulate you 
and encourage you to commune with God as you read the scriptures. That's why each day, if you look down at that handout, I'll just kind of talk. I've had lots of folks ask me how to use this. And if you have a journal, there's excellent uh, information in the front and in the back of it. Um, but you'll notice it. And, and just so you know, if you do a different journal, if you do a different Bible reading plan, or if you don't like my journal idea, whatever, just read the Bible. And this is helpful for you too, uh, because these are, these are very important biblical principles. But you can notice the format here. It's designed to encourage you to begin with prayer. Before you do anything, before you read the Bible at all, look what it says. Surrender to God through prayer. If you come into the Bible with an attitude of superiority, you're not going to get anything from it. That was the problem with the Pharisees. Also, they hated Jesus. That was another significant problem. They, They came over the Bible instead of under the Bible. That's why you'll often hear me pray, Lord, we, we place ourselves underneath your word. Often you'll notice, if you pay attention, that you come before the Lord and there's something in your life that you know isn't right. Something you're struggling with and, and, and your struggling is in a way that isn't growing. There's growing struggling and there's resisting struggling. And this prayer of surrender is a call to submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. This morning, I'll just read you part of mine. Uh, uh, one of the things I praise is like, God, I need to change. Will you please transform me according to your word? I submit to your word. It's one of the things I prayed in, my, in that first box. You're, and, and the front of it talks about different ways, different prayers of surrender, of tr- calling for transformation or asking for illumination. You're humbling yourself before the Lord. And then what happens is, and, and I do number two and number three really sort of together. And, and uh, in the journal, you have this on one side, and then you have a whole blank sheet of paper on the other side. That's why I just gave you this, is you can fill it out on a piece of notebook paper or your computer or your tablet, or you can do what our kids do and write it on the wall with crayon. That's fine too. Just don't do it in my house or the church. Whatever, whatever works is the point. And, and the way that this works for me is, it, you notice it says, listen to the scriptures. It's not study, right? It's not look up every cross-reference. It's not pull out the commentaries. This is hearing God, listening. It is okay if you don't understand everything. No one understands it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the questions, so I'm constantly reading stuff. A major struggle for me is I'll read the Bible and I'll think, oh, I don't know that. I should know that. I'm a pastor. What if somebody asked me, what, uh, what's that Greek word? What does such and such say about this? I've got to read this book and not get anything out of it, Right? So we're listening to God speak. And so as this works, you'll notice that, that you've got these uh, four boxes here. You've probably heard this acronym before, ACTS. Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Uh, I've never seen it used quite like this. I think it's a neat idea. But what you can do is as you're reading, you can make, make notes on the text on what God is revealing to you. And, and you can put these in different boxes. So, um, for example, let's see if I can give you. Uh, so, so this morning, one of the things I noticed in our reading is how God is, is consistently concerned all throughout the Bible with justice. He's very concerned with justice. You see that in Luke chapter 3. It's a major theme in the Old Testament. And I, was, I thought, you know, I need to adore God. He is perfectly just and he is concerned for the needs of others. I'm not like that. 
I'm like a little concerned about like some people and then I've got a limit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm concerned about like some, like maybe like people in my church, but then people in other church, I'm like, eh, (laughs) I got limits, you know? God is infinitely concerned with justice and loves people. And so we should adore God for that. We should praise him for it. Does he not deserve praise for this? And what you'll notice, what happens is all of a sudden your devotional time is not primarily about you. It's about God. Have you ever had those times? I've had times where I've spent time in the Word and spent time praying and I walk away discouraged. Why? Because I was trying to worship Nathan and Nathan isn't worth worshiping and so I just left discouraged and frustrated when instead I could have beheld the beauty of God and been satisfied. This is drawing our attention upward, but it's not detached. Right? That's one of the things that's neat about it. I'm getting carried away. Um, so you'll notice, okay, so what you could do is you could take notes in these boxes that fit. I would encourage you, write the verse down beside it so that you would know where it's from so you're not just praying random things. Just because you think something about the Bible, it doesn't mean that God was saying that to you. And it doesn't mean that you're right, right? Anchor your thoughts as close as you can to the text. Um, so you can make notes in each one of those, especially that confession box is so crucial, so crucial. Um, so that's, you're responding to God by humbling yourself. Write down specific sins or specific categories of sins that you need to evaluate. Confess those to the Lord. Under that Thanksgiving box, you'll notice that there's that, that, sub, that subtitle where it's saying specifically, he's saying thank him for the gospel. I love that. That's bringing gospel into every single part of the scripture. Can you, find, can you find God in his gospel in Song of Solomon? Can you believe that God would give incredible gifts like sex and food and wine, like Song of Solomon celebrates? That he would give them to wicked sinners? Wow, what kind of God is this? And then they misuse it, and then he comes and redeems them for it. See, you can see the gospel in Song of Solomon. So, so praise God for, for his, uh, his work of salvation. And then supplication, in this context, it's, it's saying it, you're, you're, you're praying prayer or supplication for yourself. So I was praying this morning, God, please help me in my ministry to bring all glory to Christ instead of stealing some of it for myself. Because that's what John the Baptist was doing in Luke chapter 3. And that, so they say pray with your pen. So you can, put, uh, you can put notes on this side or you can put prayers on this side. Uh, however you use it. There's flexibility here. Um, anyways, that's, that's part of how you use this guide. But the third goal, the third major goal here is to grow in community. That's something totally different than all of their Bible reading plans that I know of. It's to grow in the knowledge of the scripture, commune with God, and grow in relationship with the people sitting around you. That's where this is really unique. Our culture has a tendency, especially our American Southern Baptist culture, to make Bible reading overly privatized, right? It's my personal time with the Lord. Stay away. <laughs> if you have small kids, you know what I'm talking about. And that, I think there's something to that, actually. Um, but there's a tendency that, that we think of it as just, it's just about me and God. I don't, need, I don't need a church. I don't need a church. But God has given the Bible as a treasure to be enjoyed in community. Right? Sadly, it is possible, and I think it is incredibly common. I think this is a significant problem with our church, to be honest. Significant problem for us. It is possible to be a member of this church and not be connected with other believers in a meaningful way. 
Just because you're at service does not mean that you're active in a church. Just because you're at service every time the doors open and you serve and you tithe, that does not mean that you're involved with other believers in a meaningful way. You can be so active and have no fellowship. When's the last time you had a spiritual conversation with someone in our church? That is fellowship. Fellowship is not primarily eating chili. Fellowship is eating chili so that you can have conversations and build relationships with, with others so that you can talk about the Lord. At my table tonight, we talked about Colossians chapter 1, celebrating what God was doing in the lives of folks at Trinity because we were recognizing, can you believe what God has done in, in the lives of folks here and the way that we've cared for our pastor and for his family? We had a spiritual conversation. It was like, what, 30 seconds? No big deal, right? But now next time we'll be more ready to have another spiritual conversation. It's fellowship with one another. You need, you must, God has called for us to live with other people in a way that stirs one another up to love and good deeds. How are you stirring one another up to love and good deeds? Brother Terry did this for me last night in the hallway. He stirred me up with encouragement and correction for loving good deeds. I need that. We need that from one another. We need to be engaging with one another in such a way that our spiritual lives are affected. How are you relating to other people in a way that produces joy, obedience, and comfort? You can attend here your whole life and never enjoy fellowship. That's why a major part of this this method is to, at the very end, number four, identify how has God impacted you. It's not what did you learn, right? This is not, I do not care what random connection you found in the genealogy (laughs) if it's not something of how God impacted you, right? Those things are interesting and important, but this is primarily saying feed your heart first, There's a place to feed your mind. That's great too. Study the genealogy. I think there's some cool stuff there. But it's how did God impact you? And then the challenge is to go share it with someone else. Write it down, one or two sentences, and then share it with someone else. Ideally, you'll share this with others in the church who have read the exact same passages. That's what's so cool about this. That's why we encourage you, if you do decide to take part in this, or if you decide to keep doing your Bible reading plan, do a month with this. Or just do, just do Wednesdays with this. Because if however much you do this, you will be joining in with maybe hundreds of other people in this church who are reading the same passages each day. My wife and I, at breakfast yesterday, we had an incredibly spiritual sentence as like the kids were throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> like, but we had both read the same passage. And so she pointed something out. It's exactly what stuck out to me. And we had one or two sentences as we were passing by. That would not have happened if she had read Romans and if I had read Colossians. Not in the same way. So it's, in, it's a neat opportunity to be reading. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons here uh, is, is I mean, there's so many benefits to this. I'll just do them quickly. My goodness. Uh, one is accountability. There is that little bit of peer pressure, right? We'll call it accountability because peer pressure is bad. There's accountability knowing that other people will be expecting you to share with them what they've learned, what you've learned. I'm in two different group chats, right? Uh, and I share what I've learned and people are sharing with me what, what has, or not what they've learned, bad, right? It, what, how God has impacted them through, through his word. So there's accountability. There's encouragement. You can encourage each other to persevere in your Bible reading and to encourage one another with the truth that you're seeing. Uh, Mark texted me something earlier this week. Encourage me. 
um, from what he gleaned from the scriptures. Another major part of this, and we'll talk about this more probably on Sunday, is you actually have the chance to be discipled. As you listen to other people share what they've learned from the scripture, you can learn. And you can disciple other people as you share with them what you've learned. There's some weird stuff in the Bible. I think it's incredibly interesting that we started in Song of Solomon. Did anyone read Song of Solomon 1 and Luke 2 on the same day and think, hmm, it's really interesting we're reading about a virgin giving birth and like the most erotic, sexually explicit book of the Bible, right? Like what in the world? Yet, so many different people have shared with me different connections that they've seen. Um... Or different things that they've learned from reading them together. But then, of course, the insight, learning, the, gaining the insights from others. I hope you know this, but there are other people who know things and see things that you don't. And it's not just like pastor people, but it's all of us. Uh, it's an incredibly encouraging thing to see. We could probably sit down and get a hundred different people and see a hundred uh, insights that are true from the text. The text doesn't mean a hundred different things, but we could see different things. Michael Bates shared uh, his impact point with me from yesterday's reading. And yesterday's reading was on a passage that I had preached twice this year, or within the last month. I'd preached twice out of that passage. And he shared some with me, and I thought, huh, I've never noticed that before. Right? Like, that is so cool. Like, I benefited because Michael and I read the same passage and made the effort to share them with one another. Okay, so I got totally carried away with this introduction. So let me turn back. Uh, I, don't, I won't get through all these, but let me share with you, just let me encourage you with some benefits to reading the Bible. Um, because I'm convinced that for the Christian, one of the most important things that you can ever do in your life is to cultivate the habit of regular Bible intake. Okay, the first reason to read the Bible is this. Read the Bible in order to know God. It's profound, isn't it? Read the Bible in order to know God. God, this will be the hardest point, God reveals himself through his word. He did not, he, he has not given us um, statues. He has not given us drama. He's revealed himself through his word. It's not the only way he reveals himself. He's revealed himself, the scriptures say, through history. Uh, God's providential work in history. He has revealed himself in the way and through the created world. He's revealed part of himself through the created world. Most of all, he's revealed himself to us in Christ. But it's his word, his written word, his word which is preserved for us in written words. That is our primary way to know God. This has long been, God's word has long been his chosen method of revealing himself to us. One of my favorite places to see this is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The scriptures say, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I know you're not looking at it, but... Here what he said, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Did Samuel see God? He heard God. The Lord revealed himself by his word. God's word is his self-revelation. 
And it's how we know what God is like. Our religion is totally dependent, not on your feelings, not on like the weird indigestion that happened after breakfast that made you think a certain thing about like Proverbs, whatever. Not that stuff, but it's it's entirely dependent upon what God has told us about himself. If God did not reveal himself, we would not have any chance of knowing God, any chance of knowing true things about God, or any chance of relating to God. There's a key text here. Let me ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll try to explain this one. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The scriptures say, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, there's so much to unpack here. I know we're coming in the middle of a chapter. But first of all, notice this. The God of this world, who is that? Satan. The God of this world has blinded what? The minds of unbelievers. So how can unbelievers see God? Unless God opens their eyes. They can't see. What can't they see? What's the text say? They cannot see Christ. They cannot see the glorious Christ. Here's that big old Pauline phrase, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You've got to like start backwards and work in like one phrase at a time to try to get your head around this. The light of the, oh, what a beautiful phrase, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. For us as believers, how do we see this light? How is it that we see the glory of Christ? Think about it for a second. How can we see Christ? Has anyone here ever seen Christ? Not you haven't seen him in your toast or on the wall with like blood stains. I shouldn't be joking. Um, we have not seen Christ. I haven't seen Christ. I have heard about Christ. I have heard, that is, as a believer, I have heard the proclamation of his glory. I have read what someone else said who saw Christ and who saw his glory. I haven't seen Jesus, so I need someone to tell me what he's like. I need someone to tell me about his glory, the glory of the gospel. So how does this happen? Has anyone ever met Paul, right? How does this happen? Through the scriptures. This is a reliable, first-hand account to the glory of Christ and his gospel. Right? Remember, the gospel is what? It is good news. News is something you hear. It's something you hear. It's something you read. It's something you comprehend. News must be transmitted. And so God's glory, which is seen in Jesus and in his gospel, this text says, it is the, he's the image of God. So, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to see Jesus, look at the Bible. Or more, slightly more accurate, slightly more complicated way would be, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to see Jesus, look to those who saw him, and then hear their testimony by reading the Bible. God reveals himself to us through the Bible. Um, 
briefly, let me, let me do one more. I had four. We'll do two. Uh, let me give you one more because that one's really hard. Uh, you've had chili, so you don't need to go home and eat. So I'll, I'll keep you for two, ex- two or three extra minutes for this. A second reason to read the Bible would be to read the Bible to sustain your spiritual life. Read the Bible to sustain your spiritual life. I love in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 46, where this is what is said to the people of Israel. Take heart, take to heart all the words by which I'm warning you today, that you may commend them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Listen to this. For it is no empty word to you, but it is your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land you're going over the Jordan to possess. In other words, God's word is not a trifle. It's not empty. Just because you don't understand it and just because you don't see value in Song of Solomon chapter 2, it doesn't mean that it's empty. The problem's with us, not God. These words are a matter of life and death. So I don't want to hear how you don't have time to read the scriptures. Someone recently complained to me that she didn't have time to read one chapter of the Bible a day. I said, do you have time to eat? Of course she did, right? Otherwise she would, she would die. That's how it is with God's word. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, quoting Deuteronomy, man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's teaching us our spiritual lives are nourished by the word of God. In the same way that your body is nourished by fat, carbohydrates, and protein, your spiritual lives are nourished by the precious words of God. Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus says, it says that Jesus upholds the universe by what? The word of his power. He's holding the whole universe, everything that is physical, together. Well, why in the world do you think that you can live a spiritually fruitful life without his word? Feasting, not nibbling, but feasting. Some of us are so biblically malnourished that we walk around like anorexic twigs, blown away by the smallest of problems. Because we haven't eaten. Because we're not nourished. It's no wonder that we're blown away. We're as weak as a Auschwitz prisoner because we're living on 200 calories of Bible a day. The Bible literally sustains your spiritual life. Why else do you think Peter would say, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Feast. I'll save the rest for later. I'll pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would teach us to treasure it the way we ought to. Help us to recognize our need for it and let it be more satisfying to us than food, sweeter even than honey. Help us to see your word as a treasure. We ask this in your name as we go. Amen. You're dismissed, church. Go in peace.